Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. The greatest trick management ever played was convincing workers that unions are uncool. Media management, in particular, were early innovators at this. In my early years of work as a journalist, by which I mean like most of my first 15 years on the job, I never considered myself a vulnerable, precarious, easily replaceable worker without benefits, rights, or recourse. No, I thought of myself as a freelancer, master of my own destiny, a contract man, not a company man. I fancied myself a hotshot gun for hire. I was not some timesheet punching salary man chained to a desk. I was a journeyman, free to ply my trade via laptop from any coffee shop on the planet. And that worked out really well for management. Other industries have figured out this trick. App workers, for example, they're encouraged to think of themselves not as pizza delivery boys paid by the kilometer and dependent on tips. No, they are in the gig economy. And this is their gig, you know, like musicians have. They're basically rock stars. Some companies, by the way, actually do call their workers rock stars. That is a thing. Uh, ninjas, I've heard that one too. Amazon calls its warehouse workers Amazonians. 
Starbucks baristas are referred to by corporate as Starbucks partners. That's the trick. It's a pretty widespread trick. But it's a trick that might not be working as well as it used to. You've probably heard by now that a wave of unionizing is hitting not just Amazon, but also big chains like Starbucks and many others. Sweeping across the U.S. and Canada, it has, of course, hit this here digital media sector as well. Canada Land's workers follow the example set by Vice, BuzzFeed, Vox, Slate, and many others, and this is now proudly a union shop. A recent L.A. Times article says that a new generation is reviving unions. We, we got the juggler. We went for the juggler. And we went for the top dog because we want every other industry, every other uh, business to know that things have changed. We're going to unionize. We're not going to quit our jobs anymore. And this is a prime example of the power that people have when they come together. That was Chris Smalls, a former Amazon worker who spearheaded the first ever Amazon union in Staten Island, New York, in April 2022. Amazon is notoriously hard to unionize. Accusations of anti-union tactics at warehouses have been widely reported. These include surveillance, false messaging, intimidation. Other unionization campaigns are happening at Amazon warehouses across the states and here in Canada, including one in Montreal. It's been happening with gig workers, too. In 2020, couriers with the food delivery app Foodora won the right to form a union despite being initially categorized as independent contractors. They won that battle. Maybe they lost the war because in the wake of that, Fudora then pulled out of Canada completely. But the workers ended up with a $3.4 million settlement. And as mentioned, there is Starbucks. There are more than 200 Starbucks locations involved in union organizing right now, with over 50 stores now being certified. But here in Canada... There is only one Starbucks that has unionized, and that's in Victoria, B.C. There are a group of five more stores in Lethbridge that have applied for union certification just last month, and there's another Starbucks location in Calgary's Millrise Center that applied for certification just last week. But will they get it? Will that Starbucks location in Victoria break ground and set the standard for the chain, maybe for other chains too, across Canada, or... Will corporate snuff it out before the union contagion spreads? Our reporter, Cherie Suturin, has this story. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Ben Boys, Rodney Mann, Danny Blaze, Camilo Romero, Megan Miller, Joe Harmadiak, Hoang Lechen, and Derek. My name is Derek Chica, and I am a Latino guidance counselor and community and labor activist. I enjoy listening to Canada Land on my way to and from work every day, and consistently recommend it to people because of its critical lens on Canadian media. As an education worker, I hear growing conspiracies all the time about our mainstream media, and without a structured, critical conversation like Canada Land offers, distrust of mainstream media will continue to grow uncontrollably. So, I'm a union kid. My dad had a union job as a high school caretaker with Toronto's QP Local 4400. And growing up, some of my most formative memories were during the times when he was on strike. 
The importance of pensions, health benefits, and fair pay has been etched into my brain. But I also know how difficult it is to start a union at a workplace that might not love that idea. At my first staff journalism job at the now-defunct Star Metro Vancouver newspaper, persistent workplace issues led me and my coworkers to form a union. But that was a short-lived accomplishment, because just a few months after negotiating our first contract, the office was completely shut down, and we were all laid off. Now, I'm not saying Torstar closed that shop because of our union. I really don't know. But in recent years... There have been a handful of newly unionized media companies that have had layoffs and shutdowns. Remember Half Canada? So that's why this new wave of unionizing in the retail sector is so interesting. Because despite the fact that workers at these jobs tend to be in precarious positions, and despite the millions of dollars that corporations put behind tactics to discourage their workers from unionizing, and despite the fact that labor boards in charge of regulation often take years to address those practices. Despite all these things, these workers are pushing to organize. What are they up against? And why are they doing it now? I met one former barista named Izzy, who helped me to understand what's happening on the ground. My name is Izzy Adachi. Um, I was a worker organizer at Starbucks. I worked there on and off for about two and a half years. Izzy was a worker and organizer at the only Starbucks location in Canada to currently be unionized, which happened in August 2020. The store negotiated its first contract less than a year later, in June 2021. There are five stores in Lethbridge, Alberta, one in Calgary, and one in Surrey, B.C. that have applied for a union certification vote. But these stores aren't actually the first ones to have sought a union. In 1996, six stores in Vancouver signed up with the Canadian Auto Workers Union, kicking off a wave of unionizations that eventually included 12 stores and approximately 150 workers. But eventually, issues including pushback from management and low union involvement led these stores to lapse or become decertified. But Izzy's store is still currently the only Starbucks in Canada to be officially unionized. Izzy has since left that position, and she's speaking out about her experience. Our associate producer, Cassidy, went to meet her, outside a Starbucks location in Victoria. How does it feel to be around Starbucks again? Uh, I, I suppose bittersweet. I just know that there's some nasty labor practices going on in there sometimes, and that makes me a little sad, but hopeful as well, just with the amount of stores that have shown interest in getting unionized and, and sort of building collective power to make like positive change in their workplaces and communities. As Izzy describes, the idea for a union started with the workers themselves. They experienced increased risks during the pandemic while working harder than ever. The first serious conversation we had was around the pandemic because we genuinely felt like deeply unsafe in the workplace. I tried to wear a face shield when I was working in the drive-through window because at the time the knowledge was that COVID spread through droplets and they wouldn't put in a plexiglass barrier between us and the customers in the drive-through. And so when I was wearing that face shield, the district manager came in and told me that I was not allowed to wear it because in her opinion, the condensation uh, could spread through my masks and uh, collect on the face shield and then drip down onto customers' uh, drinks. 
Later on in the pandemic, of course, Starbucks wound up supplying uh, better PPE. I like to think that's in part uh, because of the advocacy that the union did. Um, but that was something that was deeply unnerving for all of us because we saw that they were sort of playing armchair epidemiologist and making decisions not based on what was going to keep us safe, but what was going to keep business flowing. Protection on pay during the pandemic was a huge issue at the Douglas Street Victoria Starbucks. It's a drive through location, too, near a busy highway, so the volume of customers is higher than in a regular store. But there was another issue that Izzy said her and her coworkers were experiencing. Violence in the workplace. Well, it was incredibly anxiety-inducing and stressful to be going in every single day and wondering, like, how am I going to... How am I going to deal with, like, the customer that's going to yell at me today? Because you know it's going to happen. How am I going to deal with someone else getting screamed at, even? Or someone who throws garbage at my coworker through the drive-thru window? Or someone who screams, like, racial slurs or sexually harasses people in the workplace? It's, like, a constant thing for retail workers to be dealing with people coming in and treating them like garbage because there's no respect. It was really scary. Um, a lot of us were really anxious about getting sick and dealing with like customer harassment. We were all of a sudden being told that we were essential after years of being told that these were unskilled jobs for teenagers. And so it was a very dramatic shift, especially when after being told that we were like essential frontline heroes that when they took away our service pay, which was our like pandemic increase of a few dollars, that went away within like a month or two of the pandemic. So not even at the peak of the pandemic were we getting paid like heroes, quote unquote. When Izzy went to management about what was happening on the floor, she says the response was less than helpful. That all changed once the store voted to unionize. Izzy said they finally started hearing from management a lot more than usual. They didn't really react to that harassment. A large part of like why we felt like we needed a union was because the only people who are going to keep us safe is ourselves. We kept it under wraps for a very long time when we were sort of getting the card signed and applying for certification uh, to the point that our manager and Starbucks didn't find out that we were like unionizing until we had already applied for certification. And when we applied, we had... 90% of the baristas and 87% of the shift supervisors signing cards. Turns out, Izzy's wasn't the only one facing these exact issues. Remember those five Starbucks stores organizing in Lethbridge? I got hold of one of their organizers, and we agreed to conceal their identity due to concerns that their job security would be threatened if they spoke out. According to this worker, the harassment at work, lack of PPE, and low pay were all issues. And if Starbucks could afford a raise during the pandemic, why not all the time? Some of my coworkers didn't feel particularly safe going to work with customers not wearing masks. Um, And that sort of spurred a lot of um, discussion, I guess. Um, And then I think another factor with the pandemic was that uh, we received hazard pay for a couple months. Uh, we all got a $3 raise if we if we came in to work. It was optional at that point if we wanted to work or not. And if you did work, you were making $3 more an hour. And then um, that stopped. The pandemic wasn't over. Um, and not the sort of not over that it is now, but it was like really not over. Um, it, we, we stopped getting the hazard pay. And I think that sort of made a lot of people feel like, hang on, they were just able to pay us more. 
Um, what if they could just always do that? Um, so I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of like open people's eyes to the possibility that like, oh, they actually can implement a lot of change really quickly if they have to. In 2020, Starbucks posted billions of dollars in losses as the pandemic kept people home around the world. But that crunch was short-lived because by the end of 2021, Starbucks had already grown its revenues beyond what was being earned pre-pandemic. The last quarter of 2021 was a record-setter for the company. Last year, Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson brought home $20.4 million U.S., a 39% raise. But on the worker level, when concerns were brought to management, the response was less than ideal. Yeah, some of us were told to quit if we didn't like it and that we could look for employment elsewhere. I wanted to find out how widespread these issues were within the Starbucks Canada chain. Pablo Guerra is an organizer with the United Steelworkers, a union that's working with individual Starbucks stores. Guerra says that he has heard similar stories, particularly about worker harassment and lack of protection from customers. And it's why he's been traveling so much between stores across Canada, meeting with workers who want to unionize. I managed to catch him on the phone while he was on the road in Lethbridge, Alberta. On May 25th in Lethbridge, they have a, uh, a meeting. Uh, I think it was attended by regional managers um, and area managers. This is what happened. One of the employers talked to the HR there and mentioned that there have been sexual comments and harassment. And the answer from HR was, let me see why I can do. That was the answer. No, like, uh, I'm going to talk to you after the meeting. I want to get more information so I can see what could happen. No, just let me see what I can do. That answer is not good enough. No, it's not good enough, right? In a normal place, you're going to have investigation, right? That seems to be a pattern. If it was only in one Starbucks, uh, it can be an isolated uh, incident. But when you hear it, people from Calgary, Leverage, Vancouver, Victoria, seems to be like a pen. On May 3rd, Starbucks announced a raise and a bump in benefits for all workers starting this summer. All workers, that is, except for the unionized ones. Over 50 unionized stores in the U.S. and the one store in Canada will not be receiving that raise. The collective agreement negotiated by the Douglas Street workers established a starting wage of $15.75 for baristas, with a raise of about 40 to 50 cents for each year worked. The company-wide wage increase would place many workers at non-unionized stores above the Douglas Street wages. On Friday, June 10th, the United Steelworkers filed an unfair labor practice complaint against Starbucks with the BC Labor Relations Board. In a press release... USW Western Canada director Scott Lunny said that the wage increase was, quote, an effort to compel its unionized employees to cease to be members of the union, end quote. He also said that the union requested Starbucks to mutually agree to extend the wage increase to the Douglas Street workers. That request was denied. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. 
And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Declaring a union certification vote is one of the major steps that must happen if workers seek to organize an official union. And it's the step by which management officially becomes notified of the organizing effort, because all votes must go through a provincial labor board. It's when a company might start employing counter-union tactics, which can range from messaging to legal challenges. In the U.S., the National Labor Relations Board is seeking injunctions against Starbucks to rehire 10 employees that the board claims were illegally discharged, forced out, or placed on unpaid leave. In Victoria, at the Douglas Street location, Izzy Adachi remembers what it was like as the union began to take shape. And so once we did apply for certification and had to sort of come out, we got a lot of messages from Starbucks corporate about how we don't need a third party to represent us and how we're breaking up the Starbucks family and that they were disappointed in our decision to join a union and all sorts of stuff that like corporations pull out. So we would just get like these surprise visits from higher ups in the company and they would sort of introduce themselves and try and talk to the workers about like the issues that people were facing. And like because of the way that BC labor law works, they weren't allowed to be super overt with like, hey, don't vote for the union. But they would always be very like suggestive about what could be done and how it's always better to have a direct relationship with management, which is funny because for a lot of these managers, this was the first time any of them had ever talked to us. And so they would have people come in and sometimes they would just watch us too. Like they would just be looking at us, which was the the weirdest ones where like they were from Starbucks corporate and they were called like operations managers or something. And they were nominally there to improve the way that things sort of were working on the floor. Izzy also said that after management got wind of the campaign, 
she saw her hours being cut, so much that she went under the 20 hours per week needed to qualify for company insurance. It's not clear if this was deliberate retribution on the part of management, which would have been illegal. But cutting hours and loss of pay and benefits are things that workers in the process of unionizing are afraid might happen as a retaliation. In March 2022, a union drive by Starbucks workers at the Chinook Center in Calgary, Alberta, failed to attain the votes needed to unionize. During that campaign, Starbucks Canada appealed to the Alberta Labor Relations Board, contending that because many baristas worked at multiple locations in the city, only the ones for which that specific store was their home store should have their votes counted. The appeal was withdrawn, but that move had an impact. It was part of the reason why the Lethbridge workers decided to certify five stores at once, and why they wanted to do it as fast as possible. We thought that it would be best to be as fast as possible, which was, I think it worked. And we all just kind of hyper-focused for three days and put all of our energy into it. And at the Lethbridge locations, anti-union corporate messaging has also begun circulating over email. Candleland has obtained several of these emails sent to Starbucks baristas over the past few weeks. An email titled, Get the Facts, contained a graphic with a number of slogans. We believe the best partner experience is created together, without a union between us. Ask yourself, is what I'm hearing a fact or a promise? Another email lists some claims from Starbucks management about what unionizing really means. A new barista at the unionized Douglas Street that works 25 hours a week will pay around $300 a year in dues, plus a one-time $126 union member initiation fee to join the union. Union dues are calculated on earnings, so the more you earn, the more you pay. However, Pablo Guerra, organizer for USW, says this messaging is completely false. The Victoria branch paid $300 on union dues, right? But they don't mention the real truth. They don't mention that they get uh, between 20 to 23% back because it's taxable with the redemption, right? And another thing, another lie they put it there was that union charge initiation fee. We don't charge initiation fee. That's totally lie. I've reached out to Starbucks for comments several times, but I have not received a response. The allegations about what is happening on the ground at these Starbucks locations is really concerning. But I do want to back up a bit here. Because there are a lot of Starbucks baristas that say they love many aspects of their job. And Starbucks often offers more benefits and higher starting wages compared to many other entry-level service and retail sector jobs. In fact, that's what one barista told CNBC in a story about the recent wave of Starbucks unions. I love Starbucks and I love the benefits they have, but it could always be better. I currently have four jobs in total. I would like to cut that down to one. And according to Starbucks, the unions create a barrier between their workers and the company. In April 2022, leaked tape from a Starbucks management call in which interim CEO Howard Schultz declared unions to be an, quote, outside force, unquote, that would disrupt the company. One of the responsibilities in this changing world 
that we have right now of a store manager, of a district manager, of an RDO, is to really understand who the people in our stores are, to talk to them specifically about the role and responsibility that we have as a company to them and their families, and to encourage them to really understand what it might mean to vote for a union. And so it's critically important that everyone chooses to vote. Now there are stories, I, can't, I wasn't there, but there are stories that people potentially have been bullied not to vote. Think about that. That's not the Starbucks way. The bullying Schultz is referring to is likely reference to two complaints the company filed with the National Labor Relations Board in April, alleging that Workers United, a major union, had physically blocked and coerced workers who were not in favor of unionization. The union denies this. A big part of Starbucks' messaging is that unions would create this barrier between Starbucks and their baristas. A website with the banner, We Are One Starbucks, launched by Starbucks amidst the recent wave of unionizing, details all the ways in which voting for a union would disrupt that important relationship. But Izzy disagrees. Once we unionized, I talked to way more Starbucks managers than I ever had before, and that like even like 10 year partners had were talking to more managers than they had ever had before. And they also don't mention the signing bonus that we got when we signed our contract uh, of a couple hundred dollars. And so they're always going to try and make it seem like it's not worth it. But in terms of the protections that we get from paying our union dues, like having union representation during any meetings with upper management, or just like having Starbucks be contractually accountable to keeping us like psychologically safe in the workplace and dealing with customer harassment, I'd say it's a deal. A lot of these tactics are known to longtime union organizers and people who have been involved in the labor movement. I spoke to Derek Johnstone, special assistant to the national president at United Food and Commercial Workers Canada. He said that large multinational corporations will pull out all the stops when it comes to preventing a union. With transnationals and retail like Walmart, they have um, like a multi-prong kind of approach to pushing back against efforts by their employees to join the union. He's seen a lot of these tactics with Walmart, which currently has no unionized stores in Canada or the U.S., despite multiple attempts. In 2000, workers at a meat department in Jacksonville, Texas, voted to form a union. Quickly after, Walmart moved to remove meat cutting departments from their stores, which they claimed to be a cost-saving decision. There was only one Walmart union ever formed in Canada, at a store in Jonquière, Quebec, in 2004. But it was short-lived. While negotiating their first-ever union contract with Walmart, the company shut down the store, laying off nearly 200 workers. Walmart argued at the time that it was because it was struggling to turn a profit at that location. So the first approach is it's at the store level, right? What they'll do is the store manager will get wind of his employees having meetings with the union and he'll start to he'll find out that there's a call it an organizing drive within the store. And then the manager will typically find people within the store who he knows are going to be loyal to management's interests and start almost like organizing a counter sort of movement in the store. One of the um, 
drives we had, we're getting some momentum um, at the drive. And then lo and behold, uh, the clippings from the Jean-Pierre closure started making themselves into the store. On February 16th, 2022, Vice News published leaked tape from a meeting at an Amazon warehouse in Staten Island, New York, in which a company official is talking to the workers about joining a union, specifically telling them things might get worse if they move forward with their unionizing effort. The voices you're going to hear are between that official and an unnamed worker. So wait, you're saying we could end up with worse? What do you, What does that mean by that? saying that Amazon's going to say minimum. No, I just said I'm not saying that's what is going to happen. So why put that out there? This is the sort of thing that Derek is talking about, the type of anti-union rhetoric that warns workers about the dangers of unions without talking about the benefits. The next step is that they will use their really infinite legal budget to do everything they can through the courts through the labor board, through the actual courts, to to stall any sort of progress made. And then the last step is, as we saw, if all that is not effective in preventing or in um, in seeing the the workplace not become unionized, uh, then they just they'll just close the close the store, or they'll rip out the department within the store where the workers have um, have, despite all that, uh, maintained solidarity and. Um, the response by wealthy employers is to bring in these firms. And these firms, uh, their tactics have changed over, over the years. But uh, at the end of the day, the goal is still the same, and that's they're paid by wealthy corporations in order to see uh, union organizing drives fail. That's what they do. And um, throughout history, they've had mixed success. Um, and I presume that... That will continue to be the case, but um, there's a reason why they exist. According to David J. Dury, professor of labor law at York University, there are strict laws about what an employer can and can't do to prevent a union. In an email, he said that labor laws tightly control what an employer can say to employees during a union organizing campaign. Quote, Employers can express an opinion that they believe the workers are better off without a union. However, employers cannot say anything that a reasonable employee would interpret as threatening, intimidating, or harassing. I wanted to know more about these third-party firms and what they were being hired to do. After all, it's your legal right in Canada to unionize, but companies are allowed to take actions within the law to push back on that. Their presence has been documented in the U.S., where some researchers have referred to them as labor-busting firms. These types of firms are less widely used in Canada. But one journalist, Mitch Thompson, has written extensively about a couple of firms that have been hired by Canadian companies, such as Honda, Canadian Tire, and Tim Hortons. One U.S. firm called Positive Management Leadership Incorporated says that they specialize in live simulations to help companies avoid crisis situations. They list 
union campaigns as one of these possible crisis situations alongside workplace violence and environmental calamities. I caught Mitch on the phone at his home in Toronto, and I asked him what he had found out in his research on this company. So I remember seeing a talk by an HR representative at Honda talking about um, the system Honda uses to uh, avoid union efforts. And it was based on the principles outlined by a man named Terry Dunn of positive management leadership training. And this is a company that professes to basically help a a series of employers avoid unions. And really, they assist primarily with with messaging, uh, including, of course, what are called town hall meetings, which are where management communicates its case for workers not signing up to unionize. One of the things about the law is that there are gray areas. And this is often the case where at pretty much all management that <laughs> organizes, say, a town hall meeting to tell workers why they shouldn't unionize. So you're not going to get a pretty rare that you get a direct threat. Although one could argue that if you say, hey, if you unionize and push for a wage increase, we may not be able to afford that. This may threaten the survival of this company, that there is an implied threat there. That management said there is an obvious power difference between managers and workers. And when managers say, uh, we are aware of this union drive, we are opposed to it, that is something workers take note of. And, you know, if management is unhappy, well, the obvious implication is that whether you know, your, your ability to remain at that company is going to be compromised. There's another firm that Mitch has reported on called AFI Mac. It's a private security firm that says that it helps image-conscious companies to mitigate risk while they're dealing with a labor strike. Thompson notes that historically, AFI Mac has been called into workplaces experiencing a labor stoppage. They were used by Molson Coors in 2021, to ensure the company was operating during a lockout. In November 2021, AFI-MAC held a roundtable session with their consultants and lawyers titled How COVID Has Impacted the Workplace. In it, they discuss how they have been keeping an eye on potential union activity. Certainly all the public sector unions, the the OPSUs, the QPs, uh, the SEIUs, uh, those that are very prominent in the service sectors, um, I think that you'll see more and more of social activism as sort of a precursor to actually trying to organize. So they're they're out there representing uh, whoever they can. Um, I was talking with one client on Vancouver Island, and um, there they've got um, I think um, I think I forget which unit it is, but they they have actually shops set up specifically to deal with any any matters of non-union personnel related to human rights workers' compensation, occupation, health, and safety in order to uh, obviously feed into the idea that these people who are obtaining some support from the unions for their own personal issues with a non-union employer will indeed become the fifth column insurgency movement into that employer. I asked AFI Mac what exactly they meant by a fifth column insurgency, but they have not responded. This idea that a company can just close down a store if it's been unionized, 
is one that keeps coming up again and again. Dury, the law professor, said that it would be certainly illegal for an employer to close a workplace or lay off workers because they had joined a union. But he added that if it did happen, that legal remedy would be difficult. He said that labor boards don't normally prohibit a business from closing, so usually a company would pay damages to the affected workers instead, and the amount would be disputed. Recently, Fudora paid out nearly $3.5 million to couriers when it left Canada. And in the case of the Jonquier Walmart, well, in 2014, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled against Walmart, saying that they had to compensate former employees for closing the store while they were in the middle of labor negotiations. The court ruled that it constituted a change in working conditions, which is a violation of Section 59 of the Quebec Labor Code. This ruling came nearly 10 years after employees were laid off. So despite the laws which govern how a company is supposed to behave, Pablo Guerra is worried. I don't know yet, but uh, so far, um, that's my fear. We, um, if we do that, how we're going to fight is, is, is something we have to cross that bridge with the king, right? There are risks to any unionization effort and pros and cons for corporations and workers alike. This recent wave of organizing is happening from the ground up not led by unions, but by the workers seeking to make positive changes at their jobs. Back in Victoria, Izzy says they're happy with what resulted from the contract negotiation. As part of the collective agreement, the workers started a health and safety committee, which meets with management to address concerns. And they negotiated graduated raises and personal and compassionate care leave. So to her, the fight was worth it. A large part of like why we felt like we needed a union was because the only people who are going to keep us safe is ourselves. Um, Starbucks and their managers um, would almost never stand up for us um, prior to our union. Um, and once that became their obligation, they had to. It was enforceable through our contract. My message to other Starbucks partners who are thinking about getting organized is that nothing changes if nothing changes. And Starbucks is not going to hold themselves accountable. That's our job as their partners. And if they want a real partnership, they should prove that through allowing us to unionize without impediment. That is your Canada Land. If you like this show, please support us. Click the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read every email you send. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLand.com. We publish some great writing on the website. We have something up right now from Robert Jago. It's always a treat for us to publish Robert. He's just one of the most incisive minds. He always is saying something that I'm not hearing anywhere else. So check out CanadaLand.com for that. This episode was reported by Cherie Sutrin with help from Jonathan Goldsby and Cassidy villabron Baracus. Tristan Capicione is our audio editor and our technical producer. Our senior producer is Sarah Larniuk. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Our theme music is by so-called Syndication, is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. 
Listen, once again, if you like this show, there is only one way that we do this, and that is with support from our listeners. Please become one of our supporting listeners by going to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in the show notes. We have lots of great stuff we want to give you when you become a premium Canada Land subscriber. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.